Welcome in. We're coming to you live from the capital city of the great state of Texas, overlooking downtown Austin and the University of Texas. It's the weekly broadcast this week that understands that the pride and tradition of the Texas football program will never be entrusted to the timid or the weak. It's the Eyes on Texas Multicast. We are a product of the Republic of Football on Dave Campbell's Texas Football Podcast Network. We are powered by our presenting partner at Grande Equipment and our four other founding partners. Uh, and it's going to be a fun show. We are jam-packed today. Happy Thanksgiving week to everybody. The Longhorns are a 10-win football team through 11 weeks of this season. And they are a win away Friday night against Texas Tech from their first trip to the Big 12 championship game since 2018. And there's still a path for the Longhorns to the college football playoff final four. We will talk about all of those things, obviously, tonight. We'll certainly recap the big win at Iowa State on Saturday night, 26-16, to 16, uh, and look at all of the parameters uh, as the Longhorns prepare for senior night uh, against Texas Tech Friday night, the day after Thanksgiving. I am Aaron Hogan, morning shows at the Horn, hornfm.com here in Austin. I've been for 20, 25 years doing morning radio in the capital city. He is the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Mike Craven, our digital editor, Nolan Hogan, is well with us as we crank this thing up. And Michael, how are you, my friend? Doing pretty good. Thanksgiving is one of my favorite times of the year. So pretty excited to eat way too much food on Thursday. Yeah, man. If you start with, uh, we record our multicast on a Monday night. So Monday night football tonight, Chiefs and Eagles. The Longhorns are playing basketball tonight against UConn, the defending national champions. And then, gosh, come Thursday, uh, Cowboys in the triple header of NFL. Cow Longhorns center of attention on Friday. Big games all weekend, including rivalry games like Ohio State and Michigan. Maybe the biggest game of the year in college football. And, of course, uh, the Longhorns getting ready for Friday. So it's going to be a fun week. We call it a, a feast, family, football, and fun, uh, Mike. It's going to be good times, right, to get this thing going. Uh, your favorite time of the year. Now, you had a favorite time on Monday You got there, or Saturday. You got to kick, sit around and watch football all day. That's a rarity to, your, to you. You got to go down on Friday night and see your alma mater, uh, UT San Antonio, get a big win for uh, Jeff Trailer and Frank Harris with another big send-off. And then you got to sit back like, like I do on Saturdays most of the time and watch a lot of college football. I was telling Nolan before we got going here, I didn't get home until about three o'clock in the morning. I left the Alamo Dome at one. It was one of those 8 p.m. Central kickoffs on Friday night, which should be abolished from the earth and scourged from the universe. <laughs> I got home about three because it wasn't far. It was far enough. Like it wasn't far enough to stay in a hotel. Right. By the time I got to a hotel, I would have been halfway home. So I just drove all the way home. I am no longer built to stay up till three o'clock in the morning is a thing that I learned. I cannot sleep in anymore. I've reached that stage of life where I just wake up when I wake up, whether I go to sleep at 9 p.m. or at 3 a.m. apparently. So Saturday was a little bit of a slog for me. It was a struggle. I was on, I was playing through adversity, but I got through it. That's right, man. You got to, you got to find the, find the cure. Now the, the, the man with the long hair there, he does stay up till three o'clock in the morning quite often, actually. So he's, he's 22 <laughs> years old. So he's actually yeah. pretty good at that. I um, used to, no you used to do that. Yes. So now when you, when you get old, like you and I, Mike, you, uh, you just staying up late makes you feel like you're hungover the next day. That doesn't, you know, <laughs> you didn't have anything, but you're still exhausted because we're old bodies. But uh, we'll talk about it all. We'll talk about your weekend and man, what a week it's going to be. It is the multicast that keeps you on top of all things Texas football. Call it a multicast because it's available to watch weekly on two different YouTube channels Dave Campbell's Texas Football YouTube channel and, of course, hornfm.com and the YouTube channel at the Horn Austin. Also available just to listen to through iTunes and Spotify. Uh, we appreciate you doing that. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Eyes on Texas FB, on Instagram at Eyes on Texas Pod, and on Facebook, we're there at Eyes on Texas Podcast. Before we start, let's thank our presenting partner at Grande Equipment, our friends and uh, that team there, Wes Murray and his group. Understand your reputation is all you have. Uh, when you have a heavy project that needs heavy equipment, uh, large or small project, 
Uh, all that matters is getting it done, getting it done on time. That's why Grande doesn't uh, just earn your business. They partner with you on every project. Uh, it's the relationship is what it's all about. They're going to make sure they get you to the finish line with all of the equipment you need, whether it's sales or rentals, uh, on time and, and job site ready every single time. That's how they've operated for more than three decades. They're not in the equipment business. They're in the relationship business. You need the right piece of equipment for your project, large or small. Uh, get what you need from our friends at Grande Equipment. All major manufacturers, they're independent, which means they're not locked into one brand. So Caterpillar, John Deere, Komatsu, Volvo, and more. Heavy equipment sales and rentals. It's Grande Equipment. They also have a new renewable energy sector supporting solar projects all over the country, specializing in pile driver application, both new and used equipment, capability of renting statewide and nationally. It's Grande Equipment, your international independent dealer. Find them at grandeequipment.com, based in Central Texas for 30-plus years. It's Grande Equipment. They don't overpromise. They overdeliver, and they deliver the Eyes on Texas multicast. And, Mike, only one broadcast this week. We will have this one, but we will have a special uh, Texas Tech preview coming up in this broadcast at the end of the show. Our fourth quarter will be all about the Texas Tech game. You've been to Lubbock and uh, talked to Joey McGuire quite a bit, so we'll talk about this matchup with the Red Raiders, who the record's not uh, gaudy, but they've won three in a row coming into this matchup on Friday. Uh, but Mike, let's talk start and start with the win at Iowa State. Uh, another gritty, tough, hard-fought win for the Longhorns that, uh, I'll tell you, 26-16 to 16 reminded me a lot of the Alabama game uh, in that there was frustration early because the Longhorns felt like they, they should have been up bigger, much like the Alabama game with some drop passes and some mistakes the Longhorns made. In the Iowa State game, it was, you know, a, two penalties that negated touchdowns. Uh, Xavier Worthy, a fumble on a reverse of going into the nine-yard line. And it was only six to three at the half. And you're thinking, man, this is way too close for what this has been. As the Longhorns, you know, lost some scoring opportunities to their own fault. Some Longhorn fans would say the officials were maybe a little ticky tacky on some of those calls. Uh, but in the end, they came out in the second half and really, you know, controlled the second half, built that, you know, went up 13 to three, uh, got it up to 26. And then, of course, the pop pass touchdown, but really controlled that second half and handled that adversity and got a big win. And then much like the Alabama game, Mike ran out the clock with C.J. Baxter running the football, never had to give the ball back after the defense got that fourth down stop. Really solid win against a, a, an improving Iowa State team that you knew that would be a tough matchup. It felt like they wanted to prove a point. They wanted to win this football game, and it felt like they wanted to win it in a certain way. Uh, and they went out and did that. Only 46 yards in the first quarter, only six points at halftime, as you mentioned. Uh, but they won the second half, and, and it felt like they beat Iowa State at Iowa State football and proved that they can do that over four quarters, it wasn't going to be pretty. You can go back and listen to our podcast last week. Like not, neither one of us thought it was going to be this rosy win where we came out talking about how good the offense looked and how clean they were. Iowa state is a team that, that drags you into the mud and makes you get dirty. And uh, I think the way to look at this performance and look at this game is it was a it prove it game. Like it was the two year anniversary of the Bo Davis ran and what happened in, in Iowa state. Uh, and this showed us a lot about where this program has come. They won 10 games, which is something Sark hasn't been able to do. Uh, they've kind of gone over that hump, and, and they're one win away from playing for, for what they talked about wanting to play for going into the year. Yeah, you're right about that. You know the EOT. If you listen every week, we appreciate that. We've divided into four quarters. In our second quarter, we will talk about the program culture change that Mike just referred to as the Longhorns approach senior night. These seniors that 25 or you know 25 players will be honored. Uh, most of those or all of those were inherited by Steve Sarkeesian and this coaching staff. They were recruited by Tom Herman and the previous staff, and they've been a big part of this turn. So we'll hear some really, uh, you know, Coach Sark on his Monday availability had some, he was he was very philosophical this week, Mike. I mean, last week he was pretty edgy. 
but he was, you know, he's excited to be at 10 wins. He's excited to have a home game to clinch a spot in the Big 12 championship. So we'll hear him talk about how they went and the program has gone from a five-win team two years ago. And you mentioned that Bo Davis night and uh, at Iowa State. And two years later, they're a 10-win team with a chance to play for a conference championship, chance to even play in the Final Four, how that's changed culture-wise. Sark also with a, a long cut and a long piece of audio today, but good on what culture is because it's as he, you'll hear him say it's not a T-shirt. It's not, uh, it's not a sign you hang up in your locker room. It's an organic culture that has changed at Texas. At halftime, we'll have our normal check on the Longhorns starting in the NFL now. More than 30 lifetime Longhorns playing on Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays these days, including tough injury for a lifetime Longhorn who was playing great this year. Uh, Nolan Hogan will get to the, get us that coming up. And as we said in our third and fourth quarter, we'll kind of flip-flop, get to some big stories around college football, including the Ohio State-Michigan game, Longhorns track to a Final Four berth potentially, uh, and the uh, transfer portal opening coming up, plus the coaching carousel. And then we'll have a full preview of the Texas Tech game coming up in our fourth quarter. But, Mike, first quarter brought to you by our friend uh, Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy, uh, online at thetexasmortgageguy.com. First quarter, let's hear from Sark uh, talking about the game, the replay, you just, or the, the review after watching the film on Sunday. Uh, you just talked about it, Mike, what type of statement win it was, what type of uh, culture win it was. Here, Steve Sarkeesian was with his initial, uh, initial thoughts on the 26-16 win to get to 10 wins for the program for the first time since 2009. The tape. I, I thought our guys played a really good football game. Uh, I know, I know we had some self-inflicted wounds in the first half um, that took two touchdowns off the board, uh, and naturally, you know, had the fumble uh, inside the ten. Um, but I thought our guys, you know, did a great job keeping their poise and composure. Uh, our defense continued to play well. We came out in the second half, uh, and of our five possessions. You know, two touchdowns, a field goal. We had the one punt, and then we finished the game with the ball in our possession at the end of the game. So really efficient uh, second half. Um, I, I thought that you know defensively again, our ability to to stop the run, um, to you know pretty much make them one dimensional. Uh, and again, we gave up the one pop pass to the tight end there in short yardage. But I thought our defense had a heck of a game. I uh, thought offensively the balance was there uh, without, you know, obviously not having Jonathan. I thought Cedric Baxter really showed up. Uh, it was a nice job by Jaden Blue and, and, his, and his ability to, to step into the fold. Uh, so all in all, I, again, I thought we played a really good game, um, controlled the game, even, you know, just on, on, our, on our mindset, uh, even into the, that fourth quarter. So, um, again, I, I, again, I like the poise that our guys showed in that game when things, you know, Clearly weren't going our way, and, and we, we were kind of stubbing our own toes there in the first half. But nobody panicked, uh, and I thought, you know, that's a sign of maturity for our team. Uh, so that, that, was a, that was a real positive there. Um, and then ultimately for us to get our 10th win, um, which is, you know, it's obviously as, as players and as coaches, you're always look, kind of looking to, you know, those benchmarks throughout a season. You know, bowl eligibility is always something that, that people point to. You know, 10 win seasons is always something people point to. Uh, conference championships, something people point to. Bowl game, uh, and then naturally, you know, if there's a CFP opportunity. So uh, it's a great benchmark for us to hit. I know uh, the guys, the coaches were excited about it, but I think, um, you know, all of us would, would tell you the same thing. You know, we're not done yet, and we know that there's, there's more out there for us to do. Uh, the goals that we had set for ourselves, you know, at the at the start of the season, uh, are still there for us. Um, so, you know, we're, we're looking forward to kind of continuing the mission, continuing the journey. Um, continuing the mission, continuing the journey from Steve Sarkeesian. How about this, Mike? In that game against Iowa State, nine yards rushing allowed. 
nine yards rushing allowed. This team in conference play, Mike, is allowing 2.8 yards per carry. And if you take away some quarterback runs, especially Dylan Gabriel in the Oklahoma game, if you just go to what they do when you actually hand the ball to a running back in a traditional running game, it's like two yards a carry they allow. Uh, they are – this is as good a run defense as Texas has had in, in more than a decade – uh, one of the best they've had since maybe Sean Rogers and Casey Hampton. That was an impressive performance, and we know that uh, the offense, you know, the, the offensive guard for Iowa State, Jared Hufford, called out Texas and talked about their egos and you know get them in check. And Steve Sarkeesian sent Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy to the middle of the field as captains, the only two captains that said it was very intentional uh, to have them represent that team. And they backed it up with an incredible performance. They made Iowa State one-dimensional. And as you said, they wanted to win this game in a certain way. Uh, and they certainly did with, with that dominance on the on the front seven. Yeah, those two guys set the tone for what this team is. You know, when you have those kind of frontline guys, you know, like I don't know if you ever watched those ancient war-type movies, you know, where one side sends their best fighter out to yeah. fight the other side's best fighter. And then one guy's best fighter just lops somebody's head off. And then the other side is like, oh my God, if he just did that to our best fighter, what are they going to do to us? That's Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy, right? Like they are the guys that you send out before a war to represent your group. The first off the bus, you know, is that common uh, football saying. And Texas, frankly, just didn't have those dudes the last time that they were in Ames. You know, I think what the guard said was true the last time that they were in Iowa State. And Texas was out to prove that this was a completely different football team. And those two guys are representative of where the Longhorns have come. They are not the soft, big city, prima donna, five-star talent, three-star culture football team anymore. They are big. They are nasty. They are tough. And those guys are, are big part of the reason. That's a dude from Huntsville and a dude from DeSoto. Those aren't like big city prima donna guys, right? And, and Sark has surrounded himself with those dudes, and that's how you win these football games. And frankly, that's how you're going to win a lot of these SEC games. Like, this is what it's going to look like moving forward. You're not going to win a lot of 52 to 45 track meets. You're going to win like this. And Texas being able to do that on the road uh, in Week 12 is, is a very impressive thing. And I think those two guys uh, are like the Rashawn Johnson and the Bajon Robinson uh, of this year's group. Well said. And Sark even confirmed after the game that they are the leaders of the locker room. Everything kind of flows through them. <laughs> they patrol the locker room. Uh, you know, I think Jalen Ford would be in that conversation as well, but uh, without a doubt. And you kind of feel like the, and we'll hear about it a lot in our second quarter about culture and culture change and how it changes. You know, the hope is Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson handed it down to these two. Next year, it's, you know, Kelvin Banks and uh, Alfred Collins, if he could, were to come back, and Vernon Broughton and these kind of guys. And it just keeps going. It just, you know, it, it, it gets established uh, because that's the challenge is once you once you build it, is keeping it. And uh, that comes through the players. Let's hear from Sark again in our first quarter here, brought to you by Carlos Carrion, thetexasmortgageguy.com, on the Eyes on Texas multicast. Uh, talk about the team that they are, how they've gotten to 10 wins just on the field, being a balanced team. We saw it again the other night, offense, defense, and special teams. Burt Auburn has made 14 straight field goals. They're getting to those three points every time now, it feels like. Uh, you know, X-Man had the punt return negated. Keaton Crawford just made a mental error to just put his hands up and not, you know, push the player in the back. He, hold, he just shields him. That's an 86-yard touchdown return, which would have been awesome. Uh, but this, as we just said, the run defense. Here's Sark on just this balance this team has and the ability to win games in a lot of different ways. I think balance is probably the thing. In, in, in the, when, I, when I look at our team 
And I look at Bert Auburn and what he's doing kicking field goals. I mean, he's made 14 in a row. I look at uh, Ryan Sanborn and the year he's had punting the ball. I look at Xavier, you know, and what he's been doing punt return-wise. Even having the punt return call back, he's still leading our conference at, at punt return. Um, then I look at the way we're playing defensive football right now and the the fanatical effort, the the relentless nature, the violence that we're playing, but yet how intelligent we're playing the game defensively and, and our ability to stop the run, um, I think, has, you know, we've grown into that over three years. And then offensively, um, I, I just love the balance that we have and the way that we're playing. I know maybe we haven't gotten all the points that we want, but the fact that we're averaging you know, over 450 yards a game and, and we, we've, we've created explosive plays and the ball's moving around, we're not one-dimensional, we can run it, we can throw it. We've, we've fought through injuries. We played with a backup quarterback for two games. We lost our starting running back. The, the, our true freshman steps in and goes for a, over 100 yards against, you know, one of the top defenses in our conference. Like to me, the the versatility of our team, the balance of our team, that's probably as good as I've had in in my time. I may have had a year where we've had a really good player at one spot or another, or really good numbers by a couple players here or there. But at the end, I think the balance and versatility of this team um, has really shined through this year in, in all three phases. All right, Mike, kind of reiterating what we said and talked about, but uh, it's all there, and that's high praise. Sark's been coaching a long time to have a team that, uh, you know, can win a lot of games. And that's those are all stamps of a, of a team that can win a championship. Yeah, I mean, Texas' offensive drives in the first half went punt, punt, field goal, fumble, uh, field goal. And Texas wasn't out of this game. In fact, they were ahead at halftime. How many times would that have been true, right? Like, the fact that this Longhorn offense, and this is the negative of this team so far, is the offense can go through lulls of not scoring a lot. Sometimes it's late in games. Sometimes it's early in games. Uh, On Saturday, it was early part of the football game. But you don't look up, and Texas is at a halftime trailing 21-6. to They're up six to three, and all of a sudden, Quinn Ewers starts getting it going. C.J. Baxter gets going a little bit. The offense puts points up, and the defense lets up a little bit, allows a couple touchdown drives in the second half, one of them being kind of a weird fourth down play. Uh, But not one of these – you don't need one of these units to be perfect every single week to have a chance to win. You can have it to where one doesn't show up in the first half and the other one picks up the slack or vice versa. You hope one day they play all four quarters well together – and they look like a national championship team. Uh, but the fact that Texas can win without the offense being dominant or without the defense only holding a team to three points, they've proven that they can win a lot of different ways. I think that's what separates this team. And to your point about the sputtering offense early, one thing I'll say about that, and I want to give a big pat on the back to Sark here because he's been criticized, and at times rightfully so, for second-half adjustments, and he's really good on the script. But then when they get off the script, his play calling not as good. I thought Saturday Night Mike was the opposite. I thought these sputters early were Sark and his coaching staff trying to figure out the script, use the script to figure out how Iowa State was going to play them, right? A lot of different formations. Um, you know, John he- Jay- John Haycock is one of the best in the country uh, scheming, and they knew they were going to see some things they haven't seen and uh, new wrinkles. So maybe, you know, that led to Quinn Ewers getting sacked three or four times in the first half to where he wasn't sure. Uh, and, boy, they made the adjustments. That was – that's what I like because people have to remember that script's not just about getting points. It's about seeing how teams are going to play you in certain formations and what type of attack they're going to have versus you. And Sark threw a lot of formations at him, got to see the game plan. And this is what you really like about this coaching staff. And then Quinn Ewers, 
because once they kind of figured it out, and as we said, if not for a couple penalties and a you know a fumble, they would have had more points in the first half. And they came out in the second half and just moved the ball. Uh, and the, I mean, the play call on the on the play to Jordan Whittington for the touchdown was a great scheme to play, uh, where Jordan Whittington showed block and it looked everything showed run on the third and one after the really bad spot, by the way, by the ref, uh, by the official. Uh, but they show everything showed run, and then Jordan Whittington pops out for the touchdown. Uh, the Gunner Helm play coming on the drag route, everything showed. He he faked the block at the beginning of that and fakes it out of there. And uh, there were just a lot of nice plays, and I, I will give Sark credit for that. This was a this was a game. Sometimes, yeah, or not sometimes. I think Texas fans have been waiting for Sark to give this team that schematic advantage when they really needed it in a tough spot against a good defense. I think we saw that Saturday night. Yeah, and Iowa State gets the ball coming out of coming out of halftime. They punt, and then Texas goes on that that nine play, ninety one yard drive, and that that really kind of like set the tone for what that second half was going to be because the game's up in the air right there. You get a defensive stop, then you get this long sustained drive that turns into seven points, not a field goal or anything like that. It turns into seven points. Um, just a, just a huge uh, that middle eight that coaches talk about a lot. Texas won that. They won all those little battles you got to win to beat an Iowa State team. It was it was an impressive performance. Again, it wasn't a pretty performance, uh, but I think it was one of the more impressive performances, and, and those are more important. All right. Uh, let's hear one, one of the big keys to that drive you talked about coming out of the second half, that uh, drive down the field with C.J. Baxter. Uh, C.J. filling in. We talked about who was going to replace the 150 yards a game from scrimmage that Jonathan Brooks was bringing. And uh, good to see Jonathan at that game on the sidelines, wearing a knee brace, but there with his team. Didn't want to stay home and not be a part of that. But uh, C.J. Baxter stepped in real big. Here's Sark on uh, the freshman from uh, from Orlando, Florida, stepping in and getting some big yards. Also gives credit to the backup, Jaden Blue. Uh, running backs really stepped up and almost filled the role as far as total yards from scrimmage that Jonathan Brooks was giving this team on a, on a game-by-game basis. Yeah, I thought, I thought C.J. got stronger as the game went on. You know, he had some really nice runs in the second half of that game, some physical runs. You know, I think it's pretty safe to stay. You know, Iowa State's a really physical defense. They're, they're an excellent defense, um, and, and there's hard yards in there, and, and they're, they're physical in the secondary when they tackle. And I thought C.J. did that and, and got stronger as the game went on. Um, you know, so that, that – that that's really encouraging for us, knowing kind of what what's in store for us as we move forward. Um, but I'd also say I think some of that is a credit to the coaches of of making the right adjustments and calling the right stuff that I think puts our players in a really good position too. And the players understand why we're calling what we're calling there. Um, but again, I'm very impressed by by CJ. I was really impressed by Jaden Blue. I know he didn't have some of the wow plays that maybe we were all kind of hoping. But the fact that he's in there on fourth and one at the end of the game to get that first down, I think speaks volumes to the development and the growth that he has as a player and, and how far he's come where, you know, he was just kind of the highlight reel perimeter guy. It's all of a sudden he's running between the tackles on fourth and one to get a first down to seal the victory. So that was that was definitely encouraging as well. All right, there you go. There's uh, Sark. Also at the, the media availability on Monday, Sark did say the injury update was good. He doesn't think, as we saw you know, Xavier Worthy leave that game, DJ Campbell, Jatavion Sanders kind of limped off, but he uh, felt, at least on Monday, confident, Mike, that all those guys would be back uh, and ready to go Friday. Didn't see it. Now, it could change depending on how practice goes this week, but at least his Monday view was doesn't think any of those are serious. Obviously, Jonathan Brooks won't be back, 
But uh, now you have backs. What did you make of C.J. Baxter's performance as a true freshman on the road in that spot? You said last week, by, by week 10, week 11, the freshman label goes away. Certainly looked like that on Saturday night. Yeah, when he's healthy, he's got that burst. You, you see why he earned that starting position. I mean, he's a thoroughbred. I mean, he looks the part. He When he's healthy, he he plays the part. Um, you know, they they caught nine passes on 10 targets between him and Jaden Blue. I mean, they really used them out of backfield. They, they were good as receivers. Just looking through the stats, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Baxter only had 18 yards on seven carries to the left of the center, uh, 99 yards on 13 carries to the right. Uh, and that was pretty, that was true for, for Jaden blue as well, where there was a little bit more success going right than going left. Christian Jones is quietly the best offensive lineman on this team. He's not going to be the highest NFL draft pick. Like Kelvin banks is the higher upside, better prospect. Uh, but just week in week out, Christian Jones has been excellent. Uh, was was awesome again on the right side there. Um, those running backs are, are really good. I mean, it it is amazing how talented that running back room has been. Stan Drayton deserves a lot of credit, and now Tajar Choice uh, deserves that as well. Agreed. Uh, and they, he just mentioned development. That's a huge part of this team and how they've gone from five wins two years ago to ten is their players are getting better. Players are getting better. Christian Jones two years ago wasn't thought at all. A guy who can play on Sundays now, he's going to get drafted come April without a doubt. Devondre Sweat, you know, could put, you know, was told to come back to school last year. You know, he might be a first-round draft pick this year, the way he's playing. And that's really across the board. So credit to Sark and this staff. He's, you know, for the first time, the Longhorns have a staff that, since Mac Brown days, they have a staff that develops these players to their maximum potential. And that's why, you know, the five-star culture, excuse me, the five-star players can play in a five-star culture and we're seeing what we're seeing in a program that's heading in the right direction. Uh, all right, Noel, we'll skip a couple cuts here. and We'll get to a timeout and get to our second quarter. Uh, we'll we'll uh, pick it up. But the injury update is clear. Everybody feels pretty good right now. And we'll hear from Sark coming up on culture change. But that's our first quarter. It's brought to you by Carlos Carrion, uh, the Texas mortgage guy. Uh, Carlos, we've told you throughout our, our broadcast here, what are we in episode 30 now? Carlos is the Texas mortgage guy all over Central Texas, uh, based right here in Austin, Texas. Uh, when it's time for a new mortgage or refi, it's always time best to work with an expert in the field, of course, with Carlos is. Excuse me, a lifetime Longhorn. Also a diehard Longhorn fan like you in every sport. So while you're going through all the process, you can talk sports, talk eyes on Texas and everything that's going on. So much better to work with like-minded people. And Carlos is one of the best people you will meet. Uh, he wants to be your, your guide. He doesn't want to just give you a quote like everyone else could. He's your guide to help solve problems, strategize one of the most important financial decisions of your life. And all you have to do is find him online at thetexasmortgageguy.com. That's thetexasmortgageguy.com or find him on social media as well. Uh, search Carlos Carrion 36 on Twitter or on Facebook. Just search Carlos Carrion, C-A-R-R-E-O-N. And Carlos will be there to help you out. Uh, great guy. And obviously his message to you is you can still buy a house right now. Rates are up, but you're still an owner in Austin, Texas, especially new builds. Uh, they're giving great bonuses and points to get into that house, bring that rate down and still get the home ownership you need to go instead of paying the rent. You can always refi it when the rates come back down down the road, but get into that house now. Let Carlos be your guide at the Texas Mortgage Guy. Com. All right, Mike, let's dive into the second quarter. A lot of what we've already talked about, the, the 10 wins is a plateau. It's not the finish line, as Sark said, but it's a, it's a big step forward from five wins two years ago. Uh, I wanted to let you hear Sark talk about the seniors, the senior class, because it's going to – the list I saw today was 25 seniors will be honored on senior night ahead of the Texas Tech game on Friday. And that doesn't include guys who won't be back next year, Mike. The, you know, the, the, the underclassmen like Xavier Worthy who might go to the pros – uh, guys who have eligibility that we don't know yet, but uh, they're going to honor 25 seniors. And here is Sark talking about how they personally, those players have helped 
change this culture with the help of the coaches, but really the players have driven this change from five wins to 10 wins in two years. You know, I, I, th I think inevitably, you know, when you, when you take over a program, um, you have to remember that the guys that were here in the program and the guys that were in that first recruiting class that, that I inherited that signed in December, they didn't sign up to play for Steve Sarkeesian. You know, they didn't sign up to get coached by Kyle Flood or Bo Davis or, or whomever, right? They had signed up for something different. And so naturally, when, when, you, when you come in, you're trying to gain and build trust, okay? And we have an old adage that, that we use in our building, trust equals time plus consistency. And so one of the challenges was even through some of the – the tough days, the tough games, the tough losses was remaining consistent as a coaching staff, remaining consistent with our message, remaining consistent of what we were asking of the players to do, not only on the field but off the field. Um, and then over time, hopefully they could start to learn to trust us one player at a time. And as as we went through it, I think that that's inevitably probably the, the, the overall – writing theme is that I think we've developed trust with our players, that our players know, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm going to always tell them the truth. Um, sometimes they may want to hear it, sometimes they may not, but they know where I'm coming from, that it's ultimately in their best interest. Because my job as a coach and our coaching staff is to try to put our players in the best position to be successful, whether that's on the football field, in the classroom, or in life. And if they can understand that that's the overriding theme, and then we back that up with our actions, over time we'll start to get their trust. And I think that's been kind of the journey over three years for the seniors that were here when we got here. And the guys that are still here that have persevered through the three years of it all, uh, I owe them a ton because without them trusting us, the other players in the program would have a harder time trusting us. And so that's probably the biggest thing when you, when you talk about the buy-in. All right, buy-in, Mike. And uh, among the 25 players who will be honored ahead of the game on Friday with Texas Tech uh, include Jordan Whittington and Ryan Watts, Jaron Thompson, Devondre Sweat, uh, Keelan Robinson and Ryan Sanborn, Isaiah Nayer, Byron Murphy, Jake Majors, Christian Jones, you just mentioned, David Benda, Jalen Ford, Keaton Crawford, Alfred Collins, Jalen Catalan, uh, Jet Bush, uh, Jade Barron. I mean, these are guys who have played a lot of snaps for the University of Texas and uh, gave a lot to this program. This, this, this might be, Mike, the senior class that kind of defines the future, that really set the foundation. Because as Sark mentioned, you know, they didn't sign up to play for Coach Sark. And in, in the era of transfer portal, they could have been gone and playing somewhere else. But they all elected to stay. And, you know, as Sark would say, that, that maybe all started two years ago at the Iowa State game that uh, you need to decide if you were getting on this bus or you were going to go somewhere else. Bo Davis pretty much told those guys, you know, get on this bus or get off. And uh, here are the results. And it's not finished yet. There's still games to go. But uh, you do see the trajectory in this class, this 2023 senior class, uh, will be the foundation for where they go from here. Yeah, no doubt. I, I think some of the guys from last year deserve some of that credit. I think Keandre Coburn, uh, Moro Jomo, really helped set that tone defensively. DeMarvion Overshone uh, really helped defensively. I think uh, Rashawn Johnson, obviously, and, and Bajan Robinson on the offensive side of the ball helped. When you can get by, I mean, I'm a San Antonio Spurs fan, and Popovich always talks about getting buy-in from your best players. And if you get buy-in from your best players, everybody else has no choice but to follow. And Texas was able to do that. Steve Sarkeesian, to his credit, was able to get 
kind of those big names on the offensive side of the ball and the big names on the defensive side of the ball to buy in, to get into the boat, to kind of be leaders of this team. And then everybody else is, is set to follow. And if you don't want to, it's okay. You can go somewhere else, right? I think Sark has also made that very clear as well. Um, and so it, it's been an amazing turnaround. It's taken time. You know, he was 13 and 12 in his first two years. He lost some leads. There were some bumps along the way. Uh, but he's always stayed the course. He's always been pretty honest. He's always uh, talked very you know, openly to the media about that process. And um, again, we talked about it last week with the Bobby Bowden kind of four year route of, of college football there in that year three win close stage. They're doing that. So this is a trajectory and an evolution that appears to be on path for big things moving forward. Does feel that way. Uh, let's hear this cut. Now, this is a longer cut than we normally play here on the multicast. But, um, you know, Sark, as we said, was was more loquacious. I thought last week he was pretty intense and pretty short. And he knew how important that Iowa State game was and was trying to get his team's attention coming off the, the poor second half they played against Tech TCU the year week before. I think he was pretty pleased with this team and now feels like they can smell the finish line here, uh, in, which would be a trip to the Big 12 championship game which will try to explain how this all plays out for Texas as far as tiebreaker scenarios. But Longhorns don't want to worry about tiebreakers. They want to win this game and punch their ticket with the old, as the only one-loss team in the Big 12. But here's Sark. You'll hear Anwar Richardson of OrangeBloods.com ask the question, and Sark goes into culture. And this is really pretty in-depth stuff about how they, how he and they have gone about trying to change this culture. And uh, he cites examples like you mentioned, Mike, uh, Roshan Johnson, Bijan Robinson. And I think this is a good – you know, piece of audio for any leader, right? Any leader in any industry. I know Nolan, where you work, I know who your your boss is. Uh, every boss is seeking this, right? Where there's buy-in from the whole team, that it's not uh, finger pointing and, you know, culture. Let's hear Sark talk about it, and then we can talk about the big picture. But it doesn't just apply to football. I think this applies to any organization uh, that's out there right now. Here's Sark. Anwar Richardson of Orange was asked the original question. Hey, Coach, uh, you've talked a lot about culture being one of the reasons for success this season. Can you define it for me? I mean, like, what's what's on your list? What's on the items? What's on the checklist? Sitting in the front of the classrooms and yeah. showing up early, like. What is it? Uh, How long do I have? Yeah. <laughs> That's a tough. I, I need, I need, I need like a semester. I should teach a class. No, uh, no. I, I think this. I think first of all, and that's a, it's a, that's a fair question and a good question. I think the first thing about culture, culture is organic. It is not a sign up in your building. It's not a T-shirt you wear. Uh, it's not breaking the team down and saying, "Hey, culture on three. I think. Culture is organic, right? It manifests itself with the relationships that you build. Um, I think that there's there's things that um, we talk to in our culture that are of the utmost importance. Um, you know, commitment is really important to our culture. Discipline is really important to our culture, right? Um, accountability is very important to our culture. Uh, mental and physical toughness are very important to our culture. Love is very important to our culture. Vulnerability is very important to our culture. Transparency is really important to our culture. Um, so those that's just to name a few. But I can't just say those things. We have to live those things, and then we have to have teachable moments along the way, A, to celebrate the guys that are doing those things, B, point out when maybe we're not, and then how can we fix it, and then how do we correlate that? Because 
who you are some of the time is who you are all of the time. And so if you want to be a disciplined football team when you take the field each weekend, you have to be disciplined when you're off the field. How do you, you know, how are we in school? How are we in community service? What, 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 the, the, all of it all adds up to that becomes your culture because that is who you are. That's how we go about everyday life. Um, for example, when we have a team meeting and that meeting breaks, I have the same few guys that early on would make sure the team room was clean. There was no Gatorade bottles. There was no tape. There was no trash. And a couple of those guys' names were Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson. Well, that elevated to when those guys were gone, the running back room was the ones that cleaned up the team room. To now, when we break a team meeting, everybody looks around. And so it has grown from two guys that has grown into more to when we go to the movies on Friday nights before a ball game, if we have a night game, everybody chirps up, pick up your trash. So I know those sound like little things, but in the end, that's, those are really big things to me because that means that's the way we're thinking all of the time. And if we're doing those little things, and that's why I say to celebrate the small victories, I really celebrate that stuff because I think those, those actions and that behavior leads to the big victories, leads to first and goal on the five and your defense has got to get four stops, leads to third and 12 backed up on the road and you convert a first down. I think it leads to those guys counting on one another, relying on one another because they're doing the right things on a daily basis. Um, and we're not perfect, and I don't expect our guys to be perfect, but if they can be coachable on and off the field and they can learn from one another, um, then we will continue to grow and our culture will continue to grow. But it takes being vulnerable. It, it takes being transparent with one another. It takes getting to know one another so that you can have some, some empathy for what a guy is going through, not just on the field, but off the field, where he came from, you know, what's going on in his life. And we have to share those things. And so in the summer, you know, we, we do a lot of culture work every Wednesday morning. Now, Friday night, I do a culture exercise before that's the last thing we do before we go get on the bus, whether it's to go to the hotel or to go get on the plane. Like we invest a lot in that. Um, and and I think that it, obviously to me it's it's paying dividends because I think culture beats talent if your culture is really strong. Culture and talent together is a is a pretty powerful force and that's something that we've tried to we've tried to create here you're muted uh yeah i mean i i think he said it all right i mean that was that was a five minute uh from the pulpit kind of speech there uh, of what he's tried to do behind the scenes um he's right you know i'm somebody who thinks all of the t-shirt stuff and the and the, that can be corny a little bit um, but it, it's done every day. It's actions behind the scenes. And it has to be uh, started with the leaders of your football team. It's what I was saying before that about how you have to get your best players to buy it, buy in. And then everybody else follows the young guys watch. And by the time they're old guys, 
they start doing things right. The young guys watch. And by the time there's their old guys, they start doing things right. And then you just keep turning that over. That's how Georgia became Georgia. Alabama became Alabama. That's how Texas became Texas back in the day. And so uh, they're trying to get back to that. It, it takes baby steps. There's going to be some bumps in the road. And it seems like that adversity and those low moments are starting to turn into dividends for this group. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, also in the press conference Monday, he talked about he expanded on that, even though he went five minutes there. But he talked about how, you know, when, when he was not coaching and, you know, when he went or when he was with the Atlanta Falcons or, you know, coming back through Alabama, you know, did he think about how he would do it differently if he ever got a chance to be head coach again? And he talked about just what he said, that I, the, the, the players, when I get another chance at this, those players are going to know who I am. I'm going to be more open with them. And I like the fact that he said the words love and vulnerability. And uh, those are important. Empathy with your teammates. That's what builds culture. And Sark also went on to say later that he talked about those those movie night Friday nights and those things, or when they do culture Wednesdays, he is always the first to speak. Uh, he has shared his story, uh, you know, his downtimes, obviously his battle with alcohol. Mike, you've been there as well with your substance abuse battle. He shares that openly with his, his guys. And can we play a cut, uh, Nolan, from Jade Barron, who, you know, Jade is one of the leaders of this team, will be honored on senior night, uh, talking about how impactful that was that Sark was willing to go there and just talk about his downtimes and his human being nature uh, might be really good right now, but it's not always. Here's uh, Jade Barron on how that impacted him and uh, his teammates. It meant a lot. Um, I know it helped. I know it helped a lot of uh, guys that are probably not comfortable opening up with others and like that. Um, I'm, I always been down to like kind of talking and I don't, I don't mind, you know, so, but I think it helped a lot of young guys just knowing, well, if he can do it in front of everybody, um, and, and even his, his son was in the room. So just to him be able to do that and, and do things like that, it, it was big on his part and, and it helped a lot of other people. Um, and it even helped me express it, express mine like way more. So I, I think that was a big part in our culture Wednesdays to allow everybody to just get everything what they want to get off their chest and, and let somebody keep their secret in and hold it tight. So I think that was very meaningful. Right, pretty cool stuff, Mike, because you've been through some of those battles and, uh, you know, being honest and being yourself and being real and being accepted for that person is big and uh, Sark willing to do that. I had heard those stories and I'm glad to hear that it's not just lip service, right, that it's real, but the players get to see who he is and mistakes he's made in his journey and where he's at. I think it's a way to heal yourself, right? I mean, yeah. by talking uh, about your journey, you hope it helps other people, but you know, most of the things we do in this life, especially if you're an addict, is is for yourself, right? And and, and so uh, I think some of it is to talk about it and you keep it in the atmosphere. And then that way everybody knows and there's accountability there. They can see you if you start to slip up or you're acting a little bit different. Like, hey, he's being a little bit more private or standoffish than he normally is. He's not talking as openly about some of that stuff. What's going on there? And so you create a bunch of accountability buddies. By constantly putting it out into the earth and talking about it. And everybody has similar prop like alcoholism and drug addiction, from my experience, comes from the insecurities that we all have. It just gets amplified and, and it gets used in a different way. But when you're young, like you you kind of feel out of place or you kind of feel uh sad or depressed or um, you know, anxious all the times. And some people turn to alcohol or substance abuse for that kind of stuff. Some people turn to other things. And so I think by being honest, especially around young people, you're helping them. You're also helping yourself and you're setting up a culture to where if our coach can make those mistakes and bounce back from it, then I can too. And that creates a, a trust within a locker room that you're not just 
you know, going to get thrown off to the side if you make a mistake. I, I think that's big in leadership as well. Great, hundred uh, percent. Nolan, any thoughts from the uh, young perspective on uh, the thoughts you heard? Those most of the players in that locker room are about your age. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything that Jade said. I think it's important for the young guys to see a a person like an older, just somebody, not even a coach, but just an older acquaintance to be opening up like that with you is just kind of a it's a reassuring thing to see is that not like we aren't as a young person, you're not alone and you're not with, you're not just the young guy. You you're with peers, your older peers are your peers as well. So I think it's important that everybody knows that and everybody has ears to listen to. Well said. All right. Well, that's our second quarter. Uh, going to be brought to you by brain vault and the brain vault technology. Uh, our man, Dr. Greg Eckert and uh, my, he's my dentist. He liked my beautiful new smile. I got word today that three different people have gone in to see Dr. Eckert just this week uh, to talk about a new smile and the restorations, which we're excited about. Uh, thanks for doing that, whether you heard it here or wherever. Uh, Dr. Greg Eckert is the best. But I do love telling you about the Brain Vault technology. Brain Vault is the, the mouthpiece, the mouth guard that's more than a mouth guard. Uh, it is proven research-based and on the football field and fields of play to help reduce the risk of concussions uh, in collision sports. That's fact. It's revolutionary. It's patented, and it's a mouth guard. Find the time to play hard and play safe with the Brain Vault technology, trusted by professionals. We told you, Dr. Dr. Eckert has worked with Drew Pittman, the agent in the NFL. Over 100 players last eight years been wearing the mouth guard with no concussions reported. Uh, the Brain Vault optimally aligns the lower jaw in a position that strengthens neck muscles and minimizes concussive forces, and it absolutely works research-based and in trials and on the field. Uh, and that's why we tell you now they've gone to retail with this. So if you have a young athlete playing in a collision sport, whether it be football, soccer, lacrosse, uh, gosh, cheerleading the entire, by the way, the UT lacrosse team, UT cheerleading team, the high school teams all over central Texas now getting fitted for the brain vault technology because it absolutely works and helps reduce the risk of concussions with the mouth guard. That's an orthotic that's a lot, uh, specifically fitted for your jawline. Uh, get yourself fitted today. You're a young athlete. Just go to brainvault.com, simple website, brainvault.com. Right there on the main page, you'll see what is brainvault. You can read all about it and the patent that they have. You can schedule a fitting, individual or group to get in and have it fitted. They'll come to you or you can go to them, whatever works with brainvault.com and Dr. Greg Eckert. It is, uh, you know, technology that you can't avoid and can't ignore. You've got a young athlete playing a collision sport uh, where concussions are prevalent. You need to have BrainVault going for you right now. BrainVault.com. Join the movement. Join the revolution with BrainVault.com and play hard and play safe with BrainVault. Time for halftime. Brought to you by One Source Gas of Central Texas. My buddy Richard Strever and his great team there. Nolan, uh, the digital producer, always does deep dives on the NFL Longhorns that are starring on Sundays and Mondays and Thursdays. Uh, who had big weeks last week. And unfortunately, uh, Nolan, there's also a tough injury for a Longhorn who was playing good football this year. Yeah, so last week in uh, the game, in Jordan Hicks' game against the New Orleans Saints, when he had seven tackles, three of them being solo, he had a contusion in his shin, which oh. ended up swelling and required surgery for to prevent compartment syndrome. So that went well. He's, he's healthy now. He's going to in recovery and hopefully have a good season next year. Uh, but this week... We had Devin Duvernay, the special teams guy for the Baltimore Ravens, had one punt return for five yards. Uh, Baltimore, again, Justin Tucker, two field goals, four extra points, all no misses, 10 points in the game. Deontay Foreman had some action, but uh, with um, their starter coming back, what's his name? Herbert, 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 Herbert coming yeah. back. Yeah, he came back this week. So 
a little bit less action, six carries, 14 yards, but he did get in the end zone with a touchdown, scored the first of the nice. game. Uh, Roshan Johnson matched Deontay Foreman on carries with six, had 30 yards. Uh, Miami, Deshaun Elliott, uh, playing against the Vegas Raiders, had one solo tackle. Cameron Dicker for the Chargers had two field goals made, two extra points made, eight points in the game. And Quandre the Giant, Quandre Diggs with the Seattle Seahawks, had a big game leading the team in tackles with 13 tackles and eight of them being solo. Dang, 13 tackles. Good game they had with the Rams this weekend. Good stuff, Noel. Appreciate that. Good uh, NFL update. I hate to hear that about Jordan Hicks, but uh, uh, the lifetime Longhorns. And uh, pretty safe to say, Mike, a lot of this Longhorn crew right now that we're going to you know, see on senior night and into the uh, championship game potentially, um, you know, be playing on Sundays in the next year because there are going to be a lot of NFL draft picks. And uh, he mentioned Deontay Foreman, who won the Doak Walker Award under Charlie Strong. Uh, hated to see that uh, the – you know, the injury derailed Jonathan Brooks because I think he was on his way to a, maybe another dope walker for the Texas program on the heels of Bijan Robinson last year. Uh, but Tavondre Sweat, uh, you know, the, the, this guy's a, a finalist for the Outland Award. He didn't make the finalist for the Lombardi Award, which came out this week, which I was, I was you know, sad to see for him. But uh, the, some of these Longhorns are going to win some hardware this year. And I think Tavondre Sweat, most notably, as we talked about, very well could win that Outland Award. There's the, the guard from Michigan, Mentor, has a good chance at that. But uh, Tavondre Sweat is—he's uh, putting a highlight reel package together. He's a force. He's an absolute force. The the highest graded interior lineman at PFF. He was the highest graded player for Texas, uh, and this went over Iowa State. He's been a rock. He's been—he's been incredible, and he's more than just a big dude. You know, I think people look at him and think. Oh, he's like a three technique nose tackle that just takes up some space. He can play in an even man front at the next level. He can get a little bit of pressure. He can be a terror in the backfield. Like he's more than just a two down player. He can be a three down defensive lineman in the league at his size. He's, he's a freak, man. He's a, he's a specimen. He'd be good for a, a defense against the tush push. Uh, so like, you know, you gotta, you gotta start, you know, getting, getting guys for that nowadays in the NFL. Another yeah, Longhorn in the NFL that another Longhorn in the NFL that's getting uh High praise. He's had. He's one of the highest graded defensive tackles right now. Is Malcolm Roach. He's been. Oh yeah. More for the Saints this year. Nice. Yeah. He was a great. I mean, he was. To me, he was the last really, really high end defensive tackle for Texas. Um, that that does I mean more. Ojemo and Keandre Coburn came late and got drafted last year. Coburn's playing for the Chiefs. Uh, uh, Ojemo for the Eagles, who are playing Monday Night Football this week when the Super Bowl rematch, uh, which is fun. But yeah, I mean, this guy sweat and Byron Murphy, right? And now uh, we talk about culture, Mike. To wrap up our halftime, brought to you by One Source Gas. The fact that and you covered recruiting, those were both three-star recruits, if memory serves, right? They were not heralded. They were kind of project guys. You know, Byron, a little undersized out of DeSoto. That great program. As you mentioned, Tavondre out of uh, Huntsville. Uh, weight was an issue for him coming out of high school. But, man, uh, those the improvement of those guys just goes to show if, if a three-star can develop into a five-star talent, that's when you start, you know, cooking with, cooking with grease in, uh, in college football. Both Fab 55 members when I was at the Austin American Statesman. Nice. So, so nailed these evals pretty easily. Uh, Byron Murphy broke the record for sacks at DeSoto. If you do that, you're going to be in my top 55 players in the state of Texas. That place is where Von Miller went, uh, if anybody needs to know. Uh, what what they do and then I was always enamored uh, by Tavondre Sweat for his size he wasn't just a run stopper I was at a game one time where he had four sacks in one game like he was really really good at Huntsville at getting after the uh, after the password and he was young he was one of those 17 year old uh, going into his like last semester uh, of high school uh, kids so you knew the development and the size was there 
Uh, what's funny is people didn't know if he was going to be able to handle growing into a defensive tackle. Uh, <laughs> and he's now a 350 pound future first round draft pick. So he he did pretty well there. Nolan, you're the young guy with the with the swag. What do you think of the big uh, medallion he was wearing? You see that bad boy? See his medallion? Uh, it was pretty, you have to look at that I before. Saw, the game. But I, I mean, all the ice they have is crazy. They all. Have some <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's did a, you see that's the, a walking uh, nil advertisement for the University Jonathan of Texas. Brooks was sitting there on the sideline with seven chains on his neck. Like none of them were under fifty grand. Nice. Yeah. Well, uh, the walking nil advertisement. It was it was pretty pretty swaggy. But uh, what Tavondre was wearing, walking in, because he was challenged by the guard from Iowa State. That's our halftime brought to you by One Source Gas of Central Texas. One Source Gas is or should be uh, your Texas compressed gas uh, company of choice. They are the leader. Uh, They've grown from a tiny little company that has just taken off, taken over market share all over Austin, down into San Marcos, New Braunfels, North, because they provide compressed gas needs such as CO2, nitrogen, oxygen, propane, and many more. The various industries in the great state. Uh, they just do it better. They just do it better than the others. Uh, more timely, better customer service, uh, prompt, and always there for you. Because when you need that gas for your beer taps, that compressed gas, the CO2, when you got a medical you know, industry and you know doctor's office and a veterinary office, you need those compressed gases. You've got to have them. You can't operate without them. They're going to make sure you do every single time. So if you're in one of those fields and you're a bar, restaurant owner, a bar owner, a business that has compressed gas needs and you're looking for a new CO2 gas or compressed gas provider, can't recommend enough. Richard and his team at One Source Gas of Central Texas website is onesourcegasatx.com. Onesourcegasatx.com. That just spell out the word one, please. Onesourcegasatx.com or call Richard 512-214-8484. That's 214-8484 with the compressed gas needs. Okay, so let's move to our third quarter, guys. And this is going to be a bit of a flip. Normally we do our final four big stories around college football. We're going to flip that because we're going to do a big and full uh, Texas Tech preview coming up the Friday game. Uh, so let's flip it. We'll do our big three questions in our third quarter. That's going to be presented by Hay City Store and Hay City Store and Ice House in uh, Driftwood, Texas, uh, Travis and his team. Uh, but, Mike, what are you hearing the latest on the uh, the Jimbo Fisher coaching carousel conversation? I know Jeff Trailer was asked about his interview last week, as reported by the Austin American Statesman, uh, with the Texas A&M Fighting Aggies. Uh, he really declined to comment about it. But we're, you were down there on Friday night. What's your sense with Jeff Trailer and where that stands? Yeah, I mean, he interviewed. I can confirm that news. Like, Kirk Bowles knows what he's talking about. He's not going to report something that, that's not true. He interviewed, but I, I think he was run, one of around 10 to 12 guys who who interviewed through Zoom or, or digital means. They're going to try to narrow that down to four or five uh, uh, guys and, and really start interviewing more this week. From what I'm hearing, they would love to have this done by December 1st. They absolutely are going to have it done. Uh, by the transfer portal opening up on December 4th. Uh, but they play LSU on Saturday at 11 a.m. I would not be surprised if the next head coach of Texas A&M was announced by Sunday or Monday. You don't fire a coach early unless you want to hire a coach early. They have a roster that they feel like they can be TCU of 2023 or 2022, where the roster is there, but the old coach just wasn't maximizing it. We get another coach in there, a better coach, a younger coach, maybe more energized coach, and he can unlock the talent that's already there. Uh, they're going to want to get a guy in early so they can try to keep as much of it because they're, they are a very talented team. Like if they can keep 70, 80% of that group together, they have a chance to make some noise in the SEC with better offense, better leadership. Yeah. Well, uh, that's, that's an interesting point. Uh, they really think that, and they do have good talent there. Uh, it's going to take the coaching. Any any sense on a front runner? Is there any way to know? Is it national? Is it local? Uh, more statewide? Or what are, you, what are we feeling? Or just not too early to tell? 
You know, what's funny is it, it kind of depends on you talk who you talk to. Like some people you talk to, they start talking Dabo Sweeney. I've heard Lincoln Riley from a couple people that like he he kind of not getting along with his AD and not he didn't go to USC thinking he was going to play in the Big Ten, right? So the equations changed out there. You know, Dabo Sweeney, I, I think, would be a big fish that they could get. And they think maybe maybe the the it's time is right at Clemson, but I think it's more likely they go with the Jed Fish from Arizona is picking up steam. Uh, Jonathan Smith, the Oregon State head coach, that is his alma mater. Uh, but with the Pac-12 breaking up, we'll see what happens there with him. And then the the three that I've heard the most since the beginning have remained: Mike Elko, Jeff Trailer, and Lance Leipold. So I think those five out of those five guys, the Jed Fish, Jonathan Smith, Mike Elko, Lance Leipold, Jeff Trailer, I think one of those guys ends up A&M's coach, unless they can shake the tree of one of these big time, big time head coaches and see if something falls there. Well, uh, Jed Fish, an interesting name, done a great job at Arizona this year with uh, freshman quarterback Noah Fafita. And, uh, you know, what, what I like about that, if you're a Texas A&M fan, is those guys can all coach. They can coach ball. You know what I mean? Uh, Lance Leipold does more with less. Uh, you know, Jeff Trailer, Mike Elko, we know he can flat coach at Duke. The question would be, you know, it's a big job, you know, the CEO role, but uh, I like that track if that's what they're on. And the Lincoln-Riley thing, let's not forget Lincoln's from Muleshoe, Texas, originally. He's a Texas kid who grew up understanding how important the Texas A&M job is in this state or could be. So, uh, and if there is some falling out at at, uh, at uh, Texas at USC, that would be really a bombshell. Uh, you mentioned the portal opens on December the fourth. Sark was asked about that today, and you know we have a cut, but it's probably too long. He really just said they haven't talked about it, uh, but he thinks everybody's having, uh, you know, they haven't really, they haven't really discussed the portal about guys on their roster. But he hoped Sark said that everybody that's here is just enjoying this ride. That's having a good time. They're not uh, just because it doesn't happen. What, what they're doing right now, championship opportunities, you know, just because you moved into a new program doesn't mean it's going to happen. So I thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, but also around the, uh, the, the, the conversation, big picture. Uh, hey, let me ask you this. The, uh, the, the final four, when they come out with the college football playoff rankings this week, I don't know how much they change, but how much do you think they'll change with the injury to Jordan Travis at Florida state, the young uh, quarterback, six year player, ugly, ugly leg injury against North Alabama, um, you know, they're looking for the best four teams. And I think you have to take that injury to their starting quarterback into consideration, despite the record that Florida State's a different team without Jordan Travis at the helm. I think Washington and Florida State flip. I think the first three stay the same. Washington four, um, then Florida State five, Oregon six, Texas seven, Alabama eight. Hey, do you think there'll ever be a conversation as we move forward? Only a few weeks left with what's coming on with Michigan and the report last week that uh, and the NCAA informing them that uh, they have, they had to fire a coach, a linebackers coach for connection to the Collins Connor stallion situation, potentially um, you know, deleting evidence, tampering with evidence, destroying evidence. Uh, that's those are major claims. Plus there's reports of a booster uh, uh, uncle T who was maybe funding this whole thing, which this thing gets more like a Cohen brothers movie every day. Uncle T uh, there's some suggestion that's Tom Brady, Uncle Tom, uh, which is probably not in Michigan. But either way, is there ever a point where the college football playoff has to look at this and say, you know what, we have to take a stand here. If we let this team in, even if they beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten, you know, this thing's likely to be forfeited down the road. Is, is there too much mounting evidence or is that just not something they could ever consider? I don't think that they would consider that because the NCAA has kind of moved away from punishing players for coaches' problems and program problems. So I don't think that they'll take that opportunity away from Michigan's players if they beat Ohio State. I think like Brett Yormark is rooting for Texas to lose to Texas Tech. 
I think the NCAA is rooting for Michigan to lose to Ohio State to kind of avoid that issue. Um, but I think if something big was to happen, it would be Michigan's allowed to play for whatever they were going to play for. And then Harbaugh was to get like a year or two show cause ban or something if they found text messages from him, like directly implicating him. I think that's the deal, right? Like I think Harbaugh is the big fish out there more so than like Michigan and, and taking away anything from Michigan. It's going to be, how does Harbaugh escape this? What happens to Harbaugh? And is he forced to go to the NFL or sit out a year or what do they do in the off season? I just, it would be, it would be wild to me for a 13 to no Michigan to be left out over some sign stealing stuff that we're not completely sure yet how much it impacts stuff. Yep. That's interesting. Uh, but it's getting closer and closer to that. They did break pretty major rules and they did. Uh, Somebody needs you know, to get in trouble. Yeah. I just, I just don't see them leaving out a blue blood Michigan team at 13 and zero. I I'll believe it when I see it. Yeah. Good stuff right there. Any other uh, major nose percolated in your world, Mike, uh, UTEP, uh, Houston, Baylor. Uh, how do you think this all falls here in the next week or so? There's Dave Aranda took another loss an ugly one at that to TCU this weekend. Uh, U of H lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, how's all that trending as you cover for Dave Campbell's Texas football as far as the other coaches in Texas that could be uh, dismissed? Yeah, I think UTEP's pretty much for sure. I think that one that one would surprise me if it didn't happen. Rice will depend kind of on what happens in week 13. I think if they get to six and six in a bowl game, there's an absolute argument to be made to, to give Bloom Grin an extension. The problem with Rice is they got a new AD, a new president. We all know how that goes, right? He's in his sixth year. Sometimes they just kind of want a fresh start to bring in their own guy. But for me, I've had uh, a couple of times on this show, I've accidentally had my thing on mute and I've started talking and then I've had to mute myself. And that's because it's just like always on your phone talking to source season uh, or always typing away, talking to somebody. I mean, to me, Baylor is the one, right? Like Baylor is the one that could start a real domino effect because I don't think Jeff Trailer is going to get the A&M job. But, you know, I, I think he's more likely to move from UTSA if a Baylor or a Houston was to open today, Arkansas announced that they were, were going to keep Sam Pittman. And so I wonder if, if Baylor opens and I, they don't want it to, they, they resign, they give an extension to Aranda after that big 2021 season. They owe him a lot of money. They built a new basketball gym. They finished their indoor. There are a lot of money in for a school like Baylor. This isn't A&M where they're getting Texas money and stuff like that. They don't have that kind of budget, but if you're going to finish three and nine, and maybe 0-8 at home against FBS opponents this year. It's just getting harder and harder to justify keeping them. Uh, that's the one that I, I'm really looking at over this next week is what happens to Baylor. Because if Baylor opens, UTSA probably opens, and then there's a real domino effect after that. All right, good stuff. Uh, and Baylor, look, I mean, what's a better job right now, Houston or Baylor, if you're Jeff Trailer in your mind? Ba Baylor. Baylor. You think so? Yeah, the bones are there for Baylor, right? Like they've had three coaches in the last 12 years play for Big 12 championships. It's been proven that you can do that over multiple regimes. Uh, they have a great stadium. They have a great indoor, uh, really consistent athletic director and a lot of private money. Um, at Houston, they're still trying to get to the Power 5 facility NIL structure. And so roster-wise, the Houston roster is probably a little bit better but I think infrastructure wise and just proof of concept, you know what you're getting at Baylor in a way that Houston is kind of rediscovering how to be a big time program. Third quarter brought to you by Hayes City Store and Ice House uh, in Driftwood, Texas. Travis and Tamara Tyndall, uh, the great folks there. It's a destination location. The food's amazing. That scratch Texas comfort food, whether it's a 
uh, pizza on a cold night, whether it's a you know chicken fried steak, it's as big as the whole plate. Uh, the burgers are amazing. The uh, truck stop enchilada is amazing. Uh, if you like margaritas, they've got great margaritas plus 53 beers on tap out in that ice house. And they do a margarita flight, so they do you know four different samples of margaritas you can sip on and taste. It's a really cool thing. Uh, flights of beer as well. It's just a great spot. Live music on their stage out there underneath the canopy of oak trees in the in the hill country every uh, six nights a week at Hayes City Store. If you've been, you know you'll be going back again soon. It's great for big events, birthdays, anniversaries, graduations. It is the spot. Uh, and if you haven't been, you need to go, uh, especially through the holidays with family in town, looking for a spot when the weather turns great, go out and watch games, see live music, do it in Driftwood, Texas at Hayes City Store and Ice House. Recently, uh, um, you know, just, just continuing to add to what they do. Um, the, the great people there, Travis and Tamara. Plus, they have that new location or a different location called Taste on Main, which is in downtown Buda. Great spot as well. More of an upscale steak seafood restaurant. Try that. It's on Main Street in Buda. So you have Taste and Hayes City Store and Ice House. Travis and Tamara Tindall, great friends of ours, and they are uh, great partners of the Eyes on Texas multicast. Check them out. HayesCityStoreTX.com. See the whole menu. HayesCityStoreTX.com or Taste on Main in Buda. All right, Mike, time for our fourth quarter. And this would, you know, if you're, if we've gone a little long here, this is going to be our preview for the Texas Tech game. Like normally we would drop that and we will drop it on Friday later. But uh, this is the preview of the Texas Tech game. And uh, you've seen Joey McGuire's team quite a bit. Uh, what's your impression? Uh, we'll hear from Sark talking about what he's seen from this team and the improvement. They've won three in a row, including a big win at Kansas. Uh, they won last week 24 23 over Central Florida. Uh, what's your take on Joey McGuire's team? Rough start early, but have seemed to have gotten better with Baron Morton at quarterback over the last month. Yeah, I mean, that's that's been the thing, right? I mean, Joey McGuire started five different quarterbacks uh, during his tenure. He started three last year. He started two different guys this year. Uh, Tyler Shuck was supposed to be the guy. He got injured for the second straight year in a row. And, and when he got injured, even when he was still healthy, uh, they just seemed a little disconjointed on the offensive side of the ball. Zach Kitley is known as an air raid guy. Remember, he's the Bailey Zappi Houston Christian and then Western Kentucky coordinator where they were throwing the ball, you know, 60 times a game and putting up video numbers, video game numbers at Texas tech. That's not the personnel he has. He doesn't not, he doesn't have star wide receivers like that yet. Uh, he doesn't have an offensive line. That's tremendous at pass blocking. And so he had to kind of learn and figure out and, and get less stubborn about we're, we're a run the ball football team. Taj Brooks is our best offensive player. Let's feed him the rock. They've done that more over these last three weeks to the point where, you know, Taj Brooks is is quietly uh, maybe the best offensive player in the state right now, and maybe in the Big 12 with just what he's doing on a, on a week-in, week-out basis. That Tim DeRuiter defense isn't special. They're not going to jump out on the film at you, but they have two really good defensive tackles, just like Texas does. Tony Bradford uh, is, is a really good player. Uh, on the back end, Taylor uh, uh, Damerson is, is a really good safety who's opportunistic. And so uh, they got some players, you know, they kind of play bend but don't break. This is going to be a red zone type game. But uh, Joey McGuire has always been good in November. They closed really well last year after a, a rough start. Um, they're closing really well this year. I looked this up for the 411 I write. Jeff Trailer and Joey McGuire, former Texas high school football coaches, obviously. Playoffs in, in the state start in November. Those guys as college football coaches are 18 and two in November. They know how to get a team good for this time of year because they're used to coaching towards the playoffs. Uh, they're playing their best football right now. I don't think they're good enough to beat Texas, not straight up, not unless Texas helps them out, uh, but they are playing good football. And this isn't the same team uh, that lost to Wyoming in week one, for sure. Texas Texas tech preview on the eyes on Texas multicast brought to you and presented by Grande equipment. 
uh, our presenting partners. Let's hear from Sark on Texas Tech, and they kind of reiterating what you just said, Mike, that uh, he's watched the film now. Uh, his, his staff have broken it down, and it's a different team in November than they were in September for sure. Here's Sark talking about Texas Tech. Tech, you know, it really had a tough start to the season. I know we, we all go through it, and you never know when injuries show up. Uh, but they were fighting that injury bug earlier in the year. Um, and I think, you know, as you could see them getting themselves healthier and healthier, they've strung together three in a row now. They're playing really good defense. Um, they're running the football extremely well, uh, kind of have changed philosophically that way. Um, so we know we're going to get their best shot. And so we've got to do a great job of preparation this week for, for a heck of a ball club. And it um, should, should be an exciting night, Friday night. All right, so there you go. Uh, a lot of what you said. And I want uh, – let's, Nolan, let's cut forward to uh, the Taj Brooks guy because you just mentioned something. My ears perked up, Mike, when you said Taj Brooks might be the best player in the state um, when you because you cover the state for Dave Campbell's Texas Offensive. Offensive. I don't want anybody yelling at me about Tavondre Sweat. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, but offensively, that's, I mean, Ollie Gordon's been the best back. Jonathan Brooks has been really good before his injury. But uh, for folks who, who kind of, that aren't Texas Tech fans that have kind of turned that off since they lost those early games and struggled, uh, he is a handful. Sark has noticed, let's hear Sark on, uh, Texas been good against the run, uh, like, you know, holding Iowa State to nine yards last week total, but they have their hands full with Taj Brooks, a veteran running back. Here's Sark's analysis after watching him play. Well, he's got great contact balance. Uh, Taj Brooks, you know, he – the first guy has a hard time getting him down, and it's not always because of the elusiveness. It's his ability to absorb blows and stay on his feet and then continue to, to break tackles, get hard yards. Uh, they're a physical running football team. You know, I, I think naturally you think of Tech, and if you're not watching them, oh, they're running the ball. They're all spread out, and they're running, you know, zone read and nobody's tackling the guy and he's running they're running up and they're running gap schemes and, and they're running downhill uh it's a physical brand of football that they're playing uh and they still do it with tempo and so you have to you have to get yourself aligned um but i, I do think there's been a definitely a shift philosophical shift um that uh that joey has implemented to that team that is a the physical brand of football offensively that is playing to their defense. They've got a very good defense. And so those two things working together has shifted. You know, they're not playing 48, 45 games and each team's running 100 plays. You know, they beat Kansas 16, 13 a couple weeks ago. They beat UCF 24 to 23, but they're winning games with that, with that philosophy and that style. Uh, and so you have to adjust accordingly. But it all goes back to their ability to run the ball with Tosh, and he's a heck of a player. Heck of a player right there, Taj Brooks. That'll be the assignment number one. Mike, when you've seen Texas Tech, what are the other areas of uh, of their team that concern you? Mentioned their defense, red zone, they're good. And Joey McGuire is a good coach. They've had the, you know, they beat Texas last year, so there's some confidence there. Uh, what are the keys for Texas to execute? And, you know, 14 points is the opening line, 14 and a half. Do you think that's too much? And uh, is that kind of, what, what's the, what are the key points for Texas in this game? Yeah, I think this is a good stylistic matchup for for Texas. You know, styles make fights, and I think that's true in football games as well. To Sark's point, Tech has really become a physical, smash-you-in-the-mouth uh, football team, and some of that is by necessity. Their offensive line is much better going forward at run blocking than they are pass blocking. Their tackles really struggle in pass pro. And so if they can't run the ball, if, if tech, if Texas completely takes away that run game and forces them to be one dimensional, and this is all on Baron Morton in that pass game, it's going to be tough for them. Texas has struggled 
uh, and the secondary at times, you know, and man coverage. But I don't know if Tech can protect long enough for that to be a big issue. So for me, that's going to be one of the keys to the game. Can Tech protect? Can Texas make them one-dimensional? And then on the flip side, the Tim DeRuiter defense has always kind of had the same M.O., they're a big play defense. They're going to give up some plays. They're going to give up some chunk yards. You may run the ball against them, but they're going to try to get a sack to get you behind the chains. They're going to try to get a tip ball and a turnover to, to steal a possession. It's going to be one of those where yours in this offense is going to have to be locked in and play mistake free. I feel like a broken record, but Texas is better than this team, right? They're, they're double digit better than this team, just like they have been the last month of this, of this schedule. It's up to if Texas can play clean football, they're going to get Tech's best shot. If Joey McGuire is good at anything, it's motivating a team and getting them up for a big game late in the year. Texas is going to have to ride that wave a little bit, carry that out, kind of like in Iowa State, carry that out, and and then just let the talent and just the physical dominance wear down a Tech team that they just can't, they can't stay with you and they're not deep enough to. Yeah, this Friday game for Texas, you know, when it was AM, I talked to Rod Babers about this, my co-host on the morning show here in Austin. And I asked him about distractions because it is a different week, right? Students go home. Uh, student section is not as vo- you know, vocal. Um, parents are coming to town. It's Thanksgiving. It's a short week. All those things happen. Rod said when he was playing, it wasn't a big deal because they were playing the Aggies, right? So there was a rival. So that negated any, any, any problem uh, with focus. Uh, you know, sometimes when they've been playing TCU or there really wasn't a rival they were playing and the students all went home, this game kind of could have an apathetic feel to it uh, since the, the Aggies have left. Uh, but this is Texas Tech. Brett Yormark is confirmed to be there, the commissioner of the Big 12. And we know what he said this summer. The game last year, Joey McGuire, after the game, the, the, the audio he hoped to, wouldn't get out but uh, probably should about how, you know, we knew they would, they would break and they would cave and they're Texas and they're soft and everything runs through Lubbock. Uh, that's all going to be up on the bulletin board. Uh, so I don't think there's a lack of, of focus for Texas. Much like Iowa State, as you mentioned, uh, with the offensive guard popping off, I think Texas has the full attention with Texas Tech of this game, plus what it means, what the opportunities are. How about this, Mike? A lot of people have made, made mention of the, the Big 12 and their tiebreaker rules. I was reading this from our friend Kirk Bowles. He talked to the uh, Big 12 office, and I was texting with some folks today trying to figure this out. According to the Big 12 office, there are 128 potential outcomes with all the mathematical possibilities involving the teams remaining. And that's why there isn't a, a clear black and white statement, because I've been trying to explain to people on the radio show, you have two spots that are still open. You have four teams trying to get to those two spots. So the tiebreakers don't just, it just depends. Uh, people don't want to hear that, but it just depends on, you can't predict how all four of these outcomes are going to go. And until you do, you really can't give a formula. Texas knows if they win, they're going to be in. The rest of it is a mess with 128 different possibilities. Yeah, just win. You know, if if you win, you're in. That makes that one very simple. It feels like this is like purposely convoluted, like taxes and and mechanic (laughs) auto shops where like they purposely make it confusing. That way you have no idea how to, you know, discredit what they're telling you. Uh, For Texas, it's very simple, though. You beat a Texas Tech team that you're double digit favorites against at home the day after Thanksgiving. And you're in the Big 12 championship. And, and depending on what happens around the nation the next two weeks, maybe even more than that. And so um, they shouldn't need bulletin board material from August or uh, bulletin board material from last October. Uh, they have plenty in front of them. But I will say this. I, I was talking to, to Nolan about this before we got on the show. I was surprised. I thought after the Iowa State game, the players and the coaches would kind of downplay the trash talk as being that important. I thought that they would say, 
we're playing for a big 12 championship. We're playing for a possible national championship. It's bigger than trash talk. We knew we were better than this team, blah, blah, blah. But you can tell that motivated them. That really got under their skin and it motivated them. It feels like a hit dog Will Holler situation where it wounded them a little bit. I think some of it was true. It was true. And I think the same thing is true for this Texas Tech thing. When Joey McGuire, leading into last year's Texas Tech, Texas, Texas Tech game, said uh, they're going to break. We take them into deep waters. They're going to break. They're Texas. They're soft. He was right. But to Sark's credit and to this program's credit, they've grown so much over this next 12 months that they're going to take a take that back out on people. Uh, I think they're going to make Tech tap out. I think this is going to be one of those games uh, where it's like two guys trying to fight the same way and one's just in a completely different weight class, and, and that's the Longhorns. I don't disagree with you on that. And look, I, I think to your comment about Gerard Hufford, the offensive lineman at Iowa State, I think they took a personal. I think it was, it was a personal attack uh, on what they believe their culture is. And they didn't, you know, what you said is true. It was true before. They believe they've changed it, changed it, and they took it personal. I think that's great. And I think they'll take that into this game. As for the Brett Yormark stuff, let's hear Sark today talking about the commissioner, of course, back in the summer at a Texas Tech booster rally. He, was openly rooting for Texas Tech to beat Texas. He was in friendly waters and probably said the right thing at the time, uh, but obviously it got picked up everywhere. And uh, we know what, what Brett Yormark said uh, back then and uh, Joy McGuire at the end of last year's game. So here was Sark when asked, uh, Brett Yormark is going to be here. Sark obviously taking the, uh, taking the low road here. Uh, he's excited about the opportunity to, win a, to play for a Big 12 title. Oh, there was nothing to smooth over. He, 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 you know, for me, we, we've, we've been on this kick here for months now this this whole situation us leaving the big 12 our players didn't choose to leave the big 12 right they, they came to play for the university of texas what conference we're in that's not what our player they're, they're just choosing to put on the burn orange and white and run out of the tunnel uh and so to whether the commissioner's rooting against our players to win or not or we're in the SEC or we're in the Big 12. At the end of the day, our guys just want to play good football and they want to win. And so we're, we've tried to consume ourselves with what we need to do. As you guys have heard me say, we need to be enamored with us. Uh, and that's something that we've done. Um, and that's been our focus. And I think that's why our players have been so poised and so composed, even on the road as we go on the road and, and the success we've had there, because we haven't gotten caught up in what's going on outside. Uh, we've really tried to quiet the noise. Um, we've really tried to stay focused on one another and how we can continue to support one another. Um, and so, you know, for the for the commissioner, you know, we've had plenty of conversations, and he he is coming. I got a chance to see him. He was in Ames Saturday night. He'll be here Friday, um, and I'm hopefully we we put on a heck of a show for him. You know, that that's what I want. He's the commissioner of our conference, and and I'm hopeful that when he watches us play. He's, he's proud of the way that we play and representing the Big 12 because that's the conference we're in right now. High road for Steve Sarkeesian and uh, probably the right track and because, you know, Brett Yarmark won't play in this game, right? I mean, there'll be fans worried about officials, Mike, and how that's going to be called. But end of the day, the players will decide it. And I agree with your assessment here on our Texas Tech, Texas preview. Uh, you know, same fight styles, just a heavyweight versus a middleweight, uh, most yeah. likely in this game Friday night. Or Saturday, yeah, Friday night. I love uh, the idea of like your mark sneaking in with the steel chair, you know, to like <laughs> steal the belt 
from Texas as they like walk out of the thing. I think as fans, when we think of rooting and stuff, we think of it as a very hardcore way as like, I love to picture Brett Yormark up in a box, like booing Quinn Ewers. You know, that's not how this happens. Like if he could pick one way or the other, he'd rather Texas or Oklahoma not win the big 12 on their way out the door, but he's not like cussing Steve Sark. He doesn't have a voodoo doll up there hoping to Vondre sweat sprains an ankle or something like that. It's not, it's a college football game. Like I just, it's just so crazy to me how bent out of shape we get out of. Now, I would say this, Mike, and we'll talk about it in the future episodes next week. If Texas is able to win this game, I do think but there's a big part of Brett Yormark in that conference office that would love to see Texas play in the final four. Of course, they get some money. Yeah, make money for sure, and yeah. be the second year in a row that the Big Twelve would have a team in the final four. That's a, you, that's a your marks from Indiana. He's not like partial to Tech or something like you know what I mean. Like, come on, what are we doing? He, like he, yeah. I don't uh, know. And I, for the conference, I know he's he's have to replace Texas and Texas Tech or Texas and OU next year. Uh, but man, to have another team out of this conference in the Big Twelve would be in the Final Four would be great for the conference. And Texas is the only team that can get there at this point. So I do think there's that for Longhorn fans who are concerned about conspiracies and whatnot. Uh, all right, so we both like Texas in this game. Do you like them uh, over 14, or is it a 31-21 kind of game for you, or is it more than that? No, I think this is like a 42-20 to 20 type football game. I, I think Texas really puts their foot on, on Texas Tech's throw. I think this is the week we may see Texas play that four-quarter football game. The Red Raiders have not been good on the road uh, under jo- over jo- uh, under Joey McGuire. Everything runs through Lubbock, but they got to be in Lubbock for that to happen. They're not in Lubbock this week. I, I think Tech gets beat because they they do the things that Texas does, but I, I think that's a perfect uh, way to put it. It's a heavyweight versus middleweight, and they just don't have it in them. Yeah, Texas does it better and at a higher level. Uh, good stuff right there, Mike Craven, and that's uh, uh, that's the conversation. By the way, what's the for Mike Craven and uh, for you and Nolan, your wrestling fans? Didn't Brett Yormark announce that there's a WWE belt mm-hmm. for what the Big Twelve MVP of the championship game? Is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is fun. This is just a fun thing. It's just football. It's just a fun thing. I love it. So the the MVP of the game a week from Saturday, the Big Twelve championship game will win the WWE MVP belt. I love that. That's yeah, they're cool. Have the, the, the WWE logo on the field on like the 30, wherever. Like, right. Your Mark's a smart guy. Smart guy. I know Longhorn fans don't like him, but he thinks outside the box. He's thinking marketing, thinking big picture. I like it. I like it a lot. There's also going to have a, and we've got to get there next week, but there's a halftime show with who's singing that and all who's playing the halftime show. I forget who it is. It's some rapper, hip hop guy. They're doing like a, the Super Bowl halftime show at the Big 12 championship game in Arlington. We'll look that up and we'll talk about it next week. We don't want to jinx anything. Longhorns have to get there first. If Mike is right and if I'm right, the Longhorns win this game comfortably. They will be in as a one-loss team. Uh, and they're likely to play Oklahoma State, likely to play the Cowboys, because if you're looking at those tiebreakers we talked about, uh, Oklahoma State beat Oklahoma and they beat K-State head-to-head. So you know, they're in the driver's seat position right now. That's the first tiebreaker. Problem would be if Texas loses and then it becomes this weird twisted scenario with you know four two lost teams trying to find two spots in the big 12 title game uh don't worry about that long just need to win this game that's going to wrap up our uh, eyes on texas multicast presented by grande equipment uh our three-quarter review of that iowa state game and the culture change of texas and also our fourth quarter preview of the texas tech game grande equipment west murray and his team understand your reputation is all you have when it's time for a big project or law, small or large whatever the project is you need heavy equipment they're going to get it to you on time, job site ready, all the way through the finish line for your project, on time and on budget every time. That's how they have operated for over three decades now. They don't overpromise at Grande Equipment. They overdeliver at GrandeEquipment.com. Your international independent heavy equipment dealer sales and rentals is Grande Equipment. 
and they bring you the multicast. Also want to thank our other uh, presenting partners and founding partners, Carlos Carrion, the Texas Mortgage Guy. Uh, dot com. That's where you find Carlos, the Texas Mortgage Hayes City Store in Driftwood, uh, that scratch Texas comfort food. Also, One Source Gas of Central Texas. Dr. Greg Eckert, my dentist and my beautiful smile, plus the Brain Vault technology, that mouthpiece that's more than a mouthpiece, uh, reduces the risk of concussions. Uh, we appreciate everybody that's helped us. Nolan Hogan, our digital producer. And of course, Nolan Hogan, our, excuse me, Griffin Hogan, our digital editor and executive producer, making things happen for us. If you want to watch our weekly uh, broadcasts, we have the, they're available on the Dave Campbells and the Horn and Austin YouTube pages, also available for download on iTunes and or Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcast. Mike, uh, where are you bound for this holiday week? Thanksgiving where and then games where? Thanksgiving in Bertram, Texas, and then at Texas versus Texas Tech on Friday. Texas, all right. Well, you're at the DKR. Nolan, are you coming to my house on Thanksgiving? Is that the plan? I'll feed you. I think so. I, I, I text mom, but I think so. That's the plan. So text your mom. We're, we're good. You'll got a plate at the table. You know, that's always, always there for you. Uh, all right, y'all. Uh, everybody have a great week. Happy Thanksgiving and holidays to all. Uh, the feast, the football, the fun. Uh, everybody have a great one. We'll have two broadcasts next week. And hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, we're talking about the Longhorns headed to the Big 12 championship game for the first time since 2018 as an 11-1 team. And who knows? Uh, their path for the college football playoff could become more clear between now and our next broadcast, which is coming up next Monday. It'll drop next Tuesday, as we just told you where to find it all on YouTube, iTunes, and Spotify. Y'all have a happy Thanksgiving.